Hello there. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition. I'm Ariane Smith. And I am Tiffany Hales. And we're sisters. And we're here to podcast. In case you haven't figured that out yet. Anyway, here we are for the month of August. Actually, I think this is our second one. Is this our second one we podcasted in August? Because I think we missed July, and then we podcasted at the beginning of July. And now because August is so long. August is very long this year. We get to podcast again. (laughs) So fun. Anyway, we're here. Order is restored to the world. Because children have started. (laughs) Which is great. I think everybody was really ready this year. It it was a shorter summer for us, but it felt longer. I think just because last year was such a weird school year with kids home. Exactly. And so, alas, they are back at school. We are crossing our fingers and saying our prayers that it actually stays that way. Exactly. And they have a good school year. and That the COVID does not derail them yes, yet again. Yes, please. Can we make it through the school year? That's my top priority right now. Or rather that the COVID doesn't derail your inability to go to the gym because now your children are at home. <laughs> yes. Let's get to the real heart of this uh, area. Yeah. <laughs> you value your gym time. Don't take away my gym and don't take away my kids' schools because those really mess with my mental health. So. That seems very fair. Uh, but yeah, it's going great so far. Kids are happy to be back. And Well, this last weekend, I took my daughter, Lauren, back to Utah State. She is beginning her junior year, which blows me away. Two years, that, girl's could, that girl could be graduated from college. That is crazy. It is so crazy. I just keep going, why are you getting older? Because I'm not getting older. I don't understand why you're getting older. Yes. So how was your time in Aggie land? I wish I had kind of known about Aggie land when I went to college. I don't know if I would have gone to BYU. I might have gone to Utah State. I just, it's such the right, I, I admittedly, I didn't, I didn't L-O-V-E love BYU. You, you and I have had that discussion we before. <laughs> I did like law school kind of, but I mean, law school was better for me than undergraduate, but I just did not like undergraduate. She didn't have the BYU love. I had the BYU love. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I just, Logan is such a, it's just a darling town. It's just so cute. And it's, um, you know, I love the campus and it's gorgeous. Now, granted, I've never gone in the winter and I hear the winters there are pretty brutal, but um, I just like how small it is mm-hmm. and that it just has kind of a real sort of community feel. And I think my daughter appreciates that. So I dropped her off her first year. Last year, she just packed up her car, and I waved goodbye to her as she drove out of the Uh cul-de-sac. I dropped her off this year. You would think that after two times of doing this, it would get easier. No. I was bawling like a baby. Oh, did you cry all the way home? I didn't cry all the way home. I did cry when I was giving her hugs. And, Uh you know, it's just she is exactly where she needs to be, and she's doing exactly what I want her to be doing. But it still is just hard. You just you, we, you just miss your kids. Yeah, totally. So, totally. Anyway. Okay. Well, should we start in on some news? Let's start in on some news. Uh, we are briefly going to hit on Elders Holland, Elder Holland's talk at BYU. Yes. Um, now, Jeff talked about it Jeff last week. Jeff talked about it last week. So there's not a whole lot more to report other than it just has really picked up steam on social media. Yes. Um, you know, people coming out saying they're hurt by it and other people coming out now and defending him. And oh, it's been a whirl of emotion. <laughs> it really has. And I think when Jeff recorded last week, it it was still pretty new. It, it was, was it was bubbling like to the surface. The day of. Or, but it had not reached a roaring boil. Yeah. In the last seven days, it has reached what I would call a roaring boil. Yes. To use a cooking term. Yes. So it's it's been a big deal. I personally was kind of avoiding dealing with it. Well, <laughs> I'm dealing with it, just reading it. And I've seen things here and there. So I finally, this weekend, sat down and watched the video and I listened to a couple of podcasts and I'd heard, you know, several of my friends had posted all re- by then already posted about it on social media. And, and, um, you know, the one, <laughs> one thing that I am taking away from this, okay, which is probably, I think, the biggest lesson that I have learned in this past crazy year and a half that we've okay. had. So this is a COVID lesson you're applying to Elder Holland's yes. talk. Yes. This is just a life lesson that has been taught to me over and over and over again. The past year and a half, two years, 
is to live and sit in my multiple mixed feelings. <laughs> oh. I just... Oh, oh, that is very interesting. I, just, I love that multiple mixed feelings. I feel like feelings. the last year has given me so much practice of just living in gray area and sitting with feeling all the things. And I don't, I've told you before, I don't like to feel, I, I want to feel one thing at a time. <laughs> but to process those emotions on, on, a, on a linear yes, basis. I think I'm getting better at learning that I can love BYU. I can love Elder Holland. I can love my gay friends and family members and peers and uh-huh. associates. I cannot love something that Elder Holland says. But I can still love Elder Holland, and I can still love the gospel, and I can still love BYU. I can maybe not like all of the things that happen at BYU, but I can still love BYU. It's very hard. <laughs> like, like It's just a lot of emotion. It's a lot of feelings to deal with. But And this I, is just me on the outside. But I like, I like where you're going with this, uh-huh. and I like what you're saying about just what you said. You know, you can have multiple feelings. It doesn't have to be black or white. It doesn't have to be one side or the other that it's okay to have all sorts of different feelings on an issue. And I think learning to just be okay with that has just been something I've had to learn. That's a, that's a very mature thing, but I'm kind of impressed. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what I was going to say about this, um, just as far as the best thing that I've listened to about it this week. Well, there are two things, two podcasts I listened to this week. And okay. I just want to direct people there because I don't think there's a lot of wisdom that I have to add. Okay. Um, but there's so much wisdom that these two podcasts have to add. So uh, one- Okay, so do share. Tell okay. tell me the two podcasts so first and what you was, liked and uh, what you learned. Mormonland did a podcast this week. Now, um, Mormonland is the Salt Lake Tribune's podcast. That's the Salt Lake Tribune's podcast. And they kind of just talked about the future of BYU. And, you know, Elder Holland in the talk uh, kind of alluded to maybe focusing more on the undergrad uh-huh. studies and, and that, you know, he- the church's mission is more important than any accreditation or things. So they kind of focused on some of the technical, like, well, what, and it was all speculation. What could this look like for the future of BYU? But they did have a guy on there that they interviewed that's been a provost at other Christian colleges. So, and to be fair, BYU is not the only uh, religious school that struggles with these same issues. There are many, many other Christian universities that are going through similar kind of this weird place, right? How Uh do you you balance loving your students and accepting your students with what your values are and what you're teaching and and how do you balance that in a university setting? Yes. So that was kind of what that podcast was about. And it was super interesting to hear someone's perspective who has been a provost at other schools. So now what did what did this individual have to say about how other schools have balanced these issues and, and what the future might look like for BYU? Well, he was saying, you know, the future for BYU, it could eventually get to the point where they do lose accreditation. But wow. most of that would be for graduate programs. Okay. Like, he said, particularly the law school. Yes, and um, I can see that. Particularly the social sciences, you yeah. know, psychology, social work, licensed social working. Um, those are types of programs that really could. Yeah. And, you know, this is all speculation. But, exactly. But someday could lose accreditation. And it's kind of hard to wrap your head around what that would look like. Exactly. But then he also talked about, you know, there are other Christian schools. I think he cited Liberty, which is a yeah, Liberty University. A that's, big one. That on was the, started by the Falwells. Yes. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast oh, yeah. we'll recommend. That was a really good podcast <laughs> I listened to about them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, he, you know, he talked about how, you know, Liberty is a very large Christian university, and they kind of live in this land of not being yeah. accredited. And oh, I didn't realize Liberty wasn't accredited. Well, a lot of their programs aren't. I don't know okay. if he was saying the general university will not probably not BYU yeah. would probably not lose its actual university yeah. status. More um, so the graduate more programs. More so specific programs yeah. when, where there's a united like association across the country that decides to discredit. Got it. Um, and, and see, for the law school, because I can speak to the law school, mm-hmm. that would be the American Bar Association because right. all, well, I shouldn't say all law schools, with the exception of California, you don't have to 
If you are taking the bar in California, you do not have to graduate from a school that has been accredited by the American Bar Association. Mm -hmm. All other 49 states in the United States, you have to graduate from an accredited law school before you can take the bar. Right, and he mentioned that. So that has mm -hmm. big implications because... Um, you know, BYU's law school is very prestigious. Mm -hmm. You know, it isn't at the top tier of law schools yeah. in the country. So. Yeah. so it was very interesting. They were just speculating on all of this. You know, if uh -huh. if the whoever runs the accreditation for, yeah. you know, licensed social workers, yeah. if they decide that they think BYU is too, you know, anti-LGTBQ, yeah, they might just cut that off. So very interesting speculation. Okay. on what could happen. And like I said, all speculation. And then the other podcast, this is the number one. If I were going to tell anybody to listen to anything on this subject, okay, it would be the podcast um, questions from the closet. And I think we've talked about this podcast. I don't think we've talked about it. I am familiar uh -huh. with it, but why, in case our listeners aren't familiar with it, why don't you explain to them what this questions from the podcast, closet podcast is about and who runs okay. it. So this is a podcast um, that's been going for a while now, and it is two uh, gay men that are associated with BYU. One is Ben Shalati, and he currently works at BYU in the Honor Code office. He's openly gay. He's active, yep. lives all of the church, church standards. Principles. So when we say run by these two men, they're not in a relationship together. No, no. They are just friends. <laughs> they're friends. Who both happen to be gay. Yes. <laughs> um, so Ben is like pretty well known. He's written books. Yes, he's, he's got very a book well known Deseret with book. Um, he does a lot of trainings and education around the church on LGBTQ issues. And then the other host of this podcast is Charlie Bird, and he okay. is the former BYU mascot, the Cosmo, the Cosmo. And he, you know, had came out, he came out in recent years yes. as gay, and there was a big that was kind of all over the media. Um, and now he is also back at BYU. He's a grad student right now. Okay, so and the, isn't he on the cheer team? I think, yeah. Or has some association yeah. with the cheer team. Yes. Not Cosmo anymore, but yes. currently involved with cheer. So um, they have a regular weekly podcast. It's so good. They've tackled all kinds of issues with LGBTQ over the past year, uh -huh. over a year since they've had this podcast. Um, so they did a podcast last week, right when this happened, the day after it happened was their regular podcasting day and they scrapped what they were going to talk about. And they said, well, we've got to talk about this. Well, it would seem silly if they didn't. And their feelings are very raw and fresh. Yeah. And I think if you're going to listen to anything, listen to this, because these are the people that are, we're really, are really feeling it, you know, from Elder yeah. Holland's talk, Ben was right in the room, um, okay. as an employee of BYU. And mm -hmm. so it was really... I don't know, eye-opening to watch, like to listen to them process how they were feeling about it and, you know, what it kind of yeah. meant to them. And I just think it's so important to listen to that perspective, um, you know. Just for understanding yeah, if nothing else. to understanding. And, you know, I think a lot of people are defending Elder Holland. And, no, 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 no. And there's a lot to defend. He's, yes. an, he's an apostle. Yes. He didn't say anything that isn't aligned isn't with gospel doctrinally true. principles. And then there are a lot of people, you know, obviously coming for him and very upset yes. about it. Um, but I think no matter what, it's just very educational and informative to listen to their perspective. And, well, how do they feel about it? Yes. Right? And how is it affecting them? Their boots on the ground right there they are. in the middle of this everything going on at yeah. BYU right now. So they have a really unique perspective and I would just encourage everybody to go listen to them and see what they have to say. So, okay. Well, speaking of elder Holland's talk, I, I'm just going to hit on a couple of things he said in his talk that didn't make the headlines because there was lots of other stuff in his talk. So apparently in 1975, when I was a wee youth, <laughs> you weren't even born yet. Anyway, um, apparently in 1975, um, uh, President Kimball gave a speech that talked about BYU and the next hundred years. So mm -hmm. between 1975 and 2075. Okay. And what he envisioned BYU to be a hundred years down the road. Now you have to imagine, I mean, he had no idea the impact of technology was going to have on BYU and mm -hmm. the internet and all of those sorts of things. So it's kind of interesting when you look at his words in that context, not that he was being 
prophetic about that. But, um, you know, one of the things that he was saying about BYU is he was saying that um, BYU should really be the language capital of the world because of the importance to the church of language training, and that they should excel in teaching English as a second language. And he also said that uh, he hoped that the church's educational system, there will rise brilliant stars in drama, literature, music, sculpture, painting, science, and in all scholarly graces. The other thing he did say that I thought was somewhat prophetic is he Mm -hmm. said, you know, as years go by and this church gets larger and more global, there will be less opportunity for members to go to BYU, Mm. which is very true because I remember our dad telling us a story that like they were in, in the late fifties, early sixties, they were begging students to come to BYU. Anybody could go there. Anybody could go there. I look at not so much my my GPA from high school because I had a good GPA, uh-huh. but I look at my ACT score. <laughs> oh, honey, I'd not get into BYU these days. So they were still letting people easy in they back were, then. It, they were still letting people very, very easily in in the 80s. Well, and I feel like when I went, it was pretty hard to get in, but it couldn't have been that hard if I got in because I also did not have great ACT. <laughs> We're bad test takers. What can we say? <laughs> exactly. But now it's very competitive to mm-hmm. get in. And, you know, and, and President Kimball was saying when it gets to that point where it's so competitive, you know, those that do have the privilege of attending BYU, mm-hmm. it's kind of like where much is given, much is required. You right. know, you are expected to follow through with some of the responsibilities and the investment that, that the church has put in you. And so Elder Holland's point in all of this was... Mm-hmm. We are almost to that 50-year mark of the 100 years. We're going to hit that 50-year mark in 2025. Where are we on that mission that President Kimball gave us 50 years ago? Mm-hmm. Where are we? Where do we need to go? And and he charged the new commissioner of education, um, Elder Clark Gilbert, to work with President Holland. Uh, no, excuse me, not President Holland. President Kevin Worthen, who is the mm-hmm. BYU president, to evaluate the university's progress. And so, um, like I said, believe it or not, there were other things in mm-hmm. Elder Holland's talk, aside from his comments on the LGBTQ community. So, anyway. All right. All right. I think we've beat that subject to death. I think so, too. Okay. Okay. Should we move on to... Oh, we have Paralympics. We have Paralympics. Now, at the beginning of the month when we podcasted, we were right in the middle of the regular Olympics. And many of you know the Paralympics follow the regular Olympics. And of course, we have members of the church who are Paralympians. This actually made me laugh when I saw this article because when all the... Holland stuff was happening last week, and I knew we were going to have to podcast uh-huh. this week. I literally said, "Dang it! I just want to go back to talking about Olympians." Oh God! <laughs> I don't want to talk about hard stuff. You asketh, the Lord provided. And look, we got some Paralympians here. And I know because I think it was out of I think it was out of LDS Living. Did yeah, it come out it of was, LDS it Living? Was LDS Living. But, they they always have a good rundown of they these do. But the Church News has been doing the same thing with the Paralympians. Yeah that they did with the regular Olympians is they've been giving uh, right. daily updates on where LDS members of the church I are. know. So there are quite a few. There are, let's see here, over over 10. Um, and LDS some of the sports members are interesting. Of the church. Yeah, it's so fascinating. How they've adapted them. So I can't like give you all their names, but I pulled out just a few Hit that the I highlights. are completely fascinating. And also when I read this article, I was like, why are me and my family not watching the Paralympics? Can you even get the Paralympics? I'm sure it's on some channel well, you know we what? have. Let me while you but, while you're doing that, I'm going to look up and see if it's on the Peacock. Okay, because you know NBC has oh, all right. the they have the rides. extra all the extra. So let's I, see if they have Paralympics. Like, on I the peacock. should be watching this with my family just as much as I watch the regular Olympics. This it is would so, be really good for your so girls. Inspiring these yes. stories. So there is one guy named Eric Bennett. He does para archery for the USA. Okay. Um, he, let's see, he's from Surprise, Arizona. Um, he's a high school physics and engineering teacher, and he competes in para archery by using his mouth to pull back the arrow. He lost his right arm above the elbow in a car accident when he was 15 years old. So he uses his mouth for archery. I mean, how amazing is that? 
that is. Okay, I just pulled up my Peacock app, and okay. sure enough, you can watch the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics on the Peacock app. Okay. So um, I'm assuming, I know that, you know, NBC has... Uh, lots of channels. Has yeah. Well, not only lots of channels, but I think you can get online just to their, like, Olympics.com site, or I don't know, right. whatever their regular Olympic site was, and maybe catch some of it. But um, the Peacock is free. I, there's different levels of uh-huh. subscriptions. I pay for the one that doesn't have the ads because I like oh, a lot of... Oh, I didn't of, know they had a free version. They, they do. do. They oh. have, Peacock has a free version. So I'm guessing probably their Paralympics might be on the might be on the free version. I bet it would, yeah. Yeah, because like I said, I, I there's a lot of NBC programming I like, so I pay for the no commercials. That is so cool. Um, okay. So there are a lot of people competing with um, vision impairments. Um there is this other one I wanted to highlight. Her name is Shelby Jensen, and she does wheelchair fencing. Um, when she was seven years old, she had a stroke that limited the mobility on the right side of her body. She started fencing when she was 15 years old and has won all kinds of national championships. And I just think that would be a really cool one to watch. Um, there is another one. His name is Daryl Walker, and he plays goalball. I had not ever heard of goalball. Okay, what in the heck is goalball? Um, goalball is a sport su- su- specifically designed for athletes with vision impairments. Okay. Um, it says it's played on a court that looks like a basketball court. Okay. Uh, combined with a soccer pitch. Uh, what is a soccer pitch? You're a soccer mom. You should know this. No. Okay. I'm assuming a goal. Okay. Maybe. Like Maybe. a basketball court okay. with like a soccer goal on okay. it. Uh, two teams of three players each roll a basketball-sized ball with bells inside over the opponent's goal line. Oh. The opponents listen for the on- oncoming ball in an attempt to block it with their bodies. Oh, no, that's so Because they're visually impaired, they put the bells in the ball and they listen. Isn't that cool? That is so fascinating. I know. Oh, that is cool. Very cool. So there are, like I said, there are probably 10 or 12 of these different athletes so, who are LDS from various countries. So we've got an LDS athlete that plays goalball. Yes, we've got an LDS athlete playing goalball. His name is Eric, no, Daryl Walker. Okay. And so there, you should go look at the list. There are all kinds of sports, all different countries who okay. are members of the church. Many of them, you know, were born with impairments. Some of them had like very tragic accidents. Okay. Um, after, like later in life and... It's just so inspiring. Oh. I love it so much. So I am now going to go seek that out okay. on my TV and see if I can record some Paralympics because I just think it's amazing. Okay. Well, we're going to stay on that same sports theme and we are going to turn back to NBC again. Uh, they have a show called America Ninja Warrior. And we have talked about this before because there have been several Utahns, mm-hmm. specifically members of the church who live in Utah, uh, and especially from Southern Utah that have competed on this show. I believe one time we talked about a gymnast from Southern Utah State University yes. that competed. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a family down there in the St. George area, Brian and Holly Beckstrand, and they have five kids. And he is a firefighter. Uh, I presume she's probably a stay-at-home mom. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he had a second gig where he also worked at Lowe's because, you know, those firefighters, they always have two gigs. Mm-hmm. And so he had access to all these supplies, and he basically built this ninja-style course in his backyard. And he would train on it. His kids would train on it. His wife would train on it. And both he and his wife have appeared on the show. They've had other kids that have appeared on the show. But currently, their 15-year-old, Kai Beckstrand, is appearing on the show. He has made it to the finals, uh, the finals which begin tonight. Mm-hmm. So obviously we didn't watch it because we're recording. He is competing for a million-dollar prize alongside these competitors that he's watched and idolized for years. Right. This was fascinating to me because I didn't realize that they said only two other people have won that million-dollar prize. Yes. Because and they make it harder and harder every year because they don't want it, you know. Exactly. Once one person does it for everybody exactly. to just get it. And I thought, exactly. And it's been on for like, what they say, 12 seasons? Yeah, something like that. I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't well, realize it was that hard to get that top prize. Because you can still win, but you don't get the million dollar prize unless you com- complete, complete the course. Like, 
all the way. And they never get, the course changes every Mm -hmm. time. They don't get to practice on this course. They get to be told, you know, this is what you do and this is how you do it. They get no practice runs. This is one and done. And, um, and so it's a lot of pressure. Kai's dad <laughs> talks about that's why he thinks that mental preparation is just as important as physical preparation when it comes to this, because not only do they not get a chance at the course beforehand, they're recording all hours of the day and night. And so you could sit, you could be told you're going to record at 5 a.m. in the morning. You could be ready to record and they've got a production problem and you're on hold for an hour. So I thought it was really interesting. Um, his parents have since dis- dissembled their American Ninja Warrior in their backyard and they have a gym, yeah. a Ninja I think Warrior they own gym. Two different two gyms. Ninja Warrior gyms. Yes. These Ninja Warrior gyms are popping up all over. There's one in Oregon and our friends, um, take their boy there all the time. He loves it. He wants to be a future American Ninja Warrior. Well, good for him. I think that's probably a very healthy outlet for excess energy. Yes. (laughs) So, okay. We've got one more member of the church um, who's going to be on TV that we need to talk about. Well, you know, we love ourselves a good reality TV show. No, that we just love it when reality TV and members of the church merge. Unless Collide. It's, unless That's like words, words, worlds yes. colliding. Unless it's Housewives of Salt Lake City. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, but that doesn't prevent which, us from watching it, which is coming up I again I was going to say, they're, they're gearing up here pretty soon for second for season number two to be released. They are. Fasten your seatbelts, folks. Yeah. Um, but this is another reality show that I love. Love, love, love. We've talked about it before. Project Runway. Project Runway is a show on Bravo where they have amateur, semi-professional fashion designers come and compete. Um, So every week they have a challenge making fashion. And over the years, there have been many an LDS participant on Project Runway. I would say it gets gets a good viewing from LDS members. Um, So it has been off for, I think, almost two years now because of COVID, but they just are currently taping the new season and it premieres October 14th. And what do you know? We have a member of the church who's going to be on it this season, which I love. I always get excited when there's a member of the church who's going to be on it. Her name is Katie Cortman. Okay. Um, I looked at her website. I don't have a lot of information on her because... LDS Living has not written their article yet. I just found this out because a friend of mine told me who follows her on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> So I'm waiting for LDS Living to come out with a nice bio on her. Um, but she is a designer. She has like a fabric line with spoon flower. She, If you look at her website, she's so cute. Just tons of bright colors. Um, she is currently living in Japan. Oh, her husband is in the military and they have four kids. And so his assignment currently is in Japan, but she grew up in Florida. Um, she went to BYU, um, and lived outside of Chicago for a while in Utah and, uh, has her masters and okay. Oh, she could be really fun to follow on project runway. I think she'll be fun. And when I look at her designs, on her website, at least they're bright, like super bright colors, fun. She just looks like she's going to be really fun. I'm excited to watch okay. her. Okay. So, all right. Tap cats. Should we talk tap cats? Oh, yes. When are they coming back? Please bring the tap cats back. <laughs> okay. So we have an article on, they have two new counselors in the presidency. Now they announced the new choir president, what, a couple weeks ago? Yeah, at the it's beginning of August. going they, to be former Governor Mike Levitt. Yes. Who was a very popular governor, right. very well-liked. He went on to serve some cab- a cabinet position in the Bush administration. Right. So apparently, I did not realize this, they have a whole presidency of the choir, and the president calls counselors. Well, I'm not did sure. Did you know this? I knew that they, I, I think this may be the first time they've called counselors. Oh, because okay. The former president was a man by the name of Ron Jarrett. Mm -hmm. And he talks about, there's an article that we'll link, that um, he was actually a singing member of the choir. He sung in the choir. He maxed out his singing time in the Mm -hmm. choir because you can only be in the choir for 20 years. And so upon his exit from the choir, he is having a conversation with the then choir president, who is Matt Christensen. Right. And he says to Mac, he's like, I don't want to give up the choir. I love the choir. If you have anything for me to do, let me do it. 
So about a week later, he gets he gets called to be the assistant to the choir president. Oh, so they must not have had counselors. With I Mac. think this. I think this. And and he doesn't talk about having mm-hmm. any counselors. I'm thinking this counselor thing Ooh. is kind of a new gig. All right. Which here's the other thing too that I thought was fascinating. I always assumed the choir president was a member of the choir. I had no idea till I read this Ron Jarrett article that the choir president is not a member of the choir. I thought, well, the choir elects who they want to be their president, and right. that's their spokesperson. Or it's like a seminary class, and no, it's the a calling. Director calls you to be the class president. It is a calling <laughs> that the church extends to you. Yeah, who knew? Anyway, anyway, so he picked his counselors. He has L. Whitney Clayton and Gary B. Porter. Um, they have both had like years and years of church service. Um, L. Whitney Clayton has been a general authority of the 70, um, senior president of Quorum of the 70. He's been all over the world serving for the church. Um, same with Gary B. Porter. Um, he used to be senior vice president of Deseret Management Corp. Um, he has also served in... Oh, it says he was a secretary to the presiding bishopric. He's done a lot on welfare, self-reliance yeah. services. So they have just a slew of church service, and now they're going to be counselors. Yes. Well, and apparently the choir presidency, because then I was like, well, what does the choir presidency do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do uh, they do? Apparently they work with the choir and the administrative staff for the choir, which is obviously Mac Wilberg and his right. his little protégés. Mm-hmm. And they determine, you know, where they're going to have choir tours, how they're logistically going to do all of this. Scheduling the facilities, all of that. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of the Mm day-to-day management operation of of the choir so that Mac can compose music and the singers can sing. Which that makes sense. That does make sense. big choir, lots of details to take care of. Um, We're just hoping they'll come back soon. It says um, that they are... Uh, the choir will meet virtually Thursday, September 9th for orientation, followed by practice September 21st. I know. Is that still a plan? Well, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I don't know. This article is relatively, it's pretty new. It's still. pretty new. I think it just came know. out in the last few days, but, uh, yeah, August 27th. So, but who knows with the Delta variant, right. if they're going to be able to do that. Maybe it will be a virtual practice. Maybe. <laughs> so, but it did say that they are planning a 2022 heritage tour, which they're hoping to hit Sweden, Finland, Denmark, Norway, Scotland, Wales. Um, if all goes according to plan, of course, okay. it's hard to make plans these days, but we sure hope that they get to go on that tour. I hope they get to go on tour. Yes. All right. So our next story, this is one that just broke today. Not that it's hot breaking news, but the story was just released by the Deseret News today. Mm-hmm. I did not let you read this. I said, no, no. I want to tell this story. She wanted this one. I wanted this one. I said, you're not going to read it because this story is so amazing that I want you to have like original reaction as I tell you the story. Yes. Okay. So this is from the Deseret News and it is entitled... Latter-day Saint behind enemy lines, the untold story of a man who spied on East Germany. That sounds very intriguing. Anyway, so (laughs) this story begins um, approximately in 1959. You know, you would think East Germany, oh, this is like World War II. Right. But East Germany wasn't created until after World War II. So there is a gentleman. His name was Bob... uh, Inama, I think is how it is pronounced. He is an Idaho boy. So let's give a shout out to Idaho. It doesn't say what part of Idaho he's from. Anyway, so he is drafted into the army in 1959. Now, at the time he's drafted into the army, he already has a degree from Utah State in pre-law and economics, and he is getting ready to attend George Washington University to become a lawyer. So he puts that on hold. He goes to basic training, which is in Fort Still, Oklahoma. And um, apparently he showed uh, a skill for artillery target coordinating. So then he is shipped off to uh, Hanu, West Germany. And so he gets called into the major's office and the major says, Bob, come in and sit down. Well, he's a little nervous because the major is using his first name, which apparently they don't do very often. Okay. And so the major says, we have an assignment for you. 
And he's like, okay. The major says, we'd like you to register as a college student for the University of Berlin and take an economics class. Well, he's kind of sitting there scratching his head going, um, (laughs) um, how does this relate to the army? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, um, then he says to him, because of your skills in mapping and targeting and your foundation in German, um, we believe that you are a good candidate for an undercover mission. And mm-hmm. so he says, you're going to become a TA to the economics professor, Professor Schmidt. And through his traveling lectures, you'll get access to East Germany. And so they ask him if he has a girlfriend. And he's like, no, I don't have a girlfriend. And they said, well, you now have three. He's what? like... Oh, okay. They're like, you have one in Los Angeles, you have Uh one in Chicago, and one in New York City. Okay. And so what the major tells him is he's going to plot out the ammunition targets for the country, uh, such as government buildings, freight yards, weapons arsenals, and then he's going to write down the longitude and latitude of each target uh, as the address on the envelopes, and he's going to um, send those to his girlfriends in each of those three cities. Oh, my. And so he's given a fake ID with the name of Peter Jones. Uh-huh. He is told if you're caught, the only thing you say is Peter Jones. You don't say anything else. Mm-hmm. He's also told that nobody knows about this. This is a top secret mission. It's not on the books. You know, we'll, we will write the letters back to your family. Uh-huh. Um uh, you know, as far as your parents, friends, and acquaintance, nobody knows about this. Oh my goodness. So he heads off to West, he heads off to, to Germany. And, um, and of course, uh, uh, he thinks that this professor Schmidt is going to be kind of somebody he can rely on uh-huh. if he gets in trouble. And so his spy work begins and, um, he spent long hours with Schmidt as a chauffeur and assistant to the presentations. Uh, they would drive back and forth between West Berlin and, um, East Germany or and East Germany. And, um, one day they stopped at a roadblock. And when they got to this roadblock, he didn't think much of it. He stopped the car. There were Soviet and German soldiers and they told him step out of the car. So he does this. He tries to show, he shows him his fake ID saying Mm -hmm. he's Peter Jones and the guard pays little attention. And then he hears Schmidt say he's an American soldier. (gasps) Schmidt was a dirty dog double agent. Yes. And so he knew. The professor? The professor. The professor was a double agent. So he knew Schmidt had betrayed him. Oh, no. uh, And Schmidt's parting words to him were goodbye, idiot. Oh. So he's, (gasps) yeah, exactly. So he spends the next six months in an East Germany prison cell in a basement. He has no running water. A bucket bucket is lowered from a hole in the ceiling to be used as a latrine. The only lighting comes from a small window 15 feet above the ground. Oh my this sounds just like Liberty Jail. Yes. He's in his own Liberty <laughs> Jail. <laughs> anyway, so he's fed once a day. He gets mush or stew and a cup of coffee. He turns down the coffee and says, give me water. And then each day without fail, he's taken out of the cell. He's led to an interrogation room. Mm-hmm. The Soviet officers question him why he's in East Germany. He says, my name is Peter Jones. He doesn't say anything else. And they beat him oh, to a pulp no. every day. Every single day. And sometimes he'd wake up on his cold cell floor having been beaten unconscious. And so he's thinking to himself, is this what my life is going to consist of every day for the Uh rest of my life? And, um, and he's thinking, you know, am I ever going to see my family again? Am I ever going to see my friends again? You know, what if this is my life until I die? So this is what is really key. He took a page out of Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, Uh it doesn't say that in the story, but it's very reminiscent of that. Uh So he begins to look for all the good in everything. He thanked the officers who beat him. He complimented them on their job well done. They might have been confused at first or even laughed, but he persisted. Um, there was one officer that he nicknamed Adolf because he didn't know what, who the, what the officer's Uh name was. And, um, uh, and he would, he would talk to Adolf, uh, when Adolf would come to get him to take him up to the room where he was, he was beaten. Um, he would say things to Adolf. Adolf never responded, but he would say, you know, this is my church. These are my beliefs. Mm-hmm. This is what my life was like before I came to Germany. Um, and then there was one day that he was hauled outside and there were three posts and he was tied to the third post. And he figures, Uh this is a firing squad. This is the day I'm going to die. Adolf um, 
then moves him to the first post and two other prisoners are brought out. Everybody is given a hood over their head and he's just like, well, I'm going to meet my maker. Guns fire and he realizes I'm not hurt and I'm still alive. Adolf saved him by moving him from post three to post one. Anyway, so, but they put him back in the, they put, I know they put him back in the cell. Um, he's very confused and numb in the cell. Um, he grasps that Adolf had saved his life by moving him. Um, again, Adolf never says anything to him. I'm sure Mm -hmm. Adolf just absolutely can't. And finally he broke and he said, my mom, my name is Bob Inama. My rank is specialist fourth class. Here's my ID. So then they, a few days later, they unlock his cell. They give him a bathroom. It's the first shower he's had in six months and, mm-hmm. and clean clothes. And so he's figuring, well, I'm, they're cleaning me up before they're killing me. Oh, no. Um, but they end up uh, doing a prisoner exchange with him and the Americans. Oh. And so he gets back to um, he gets he gets back to the army. And because of his daily beatings, they say, hey, you know, you have too much brain damage. You'll probably never be able to be a lawyer. And Aww. so he kind of had to reroute his life again, very sad. But here's one of the interesting things he had headed, he'd gone to Italy before he'd started this assignment mm-hmm. because he wanted to find um, his relatives in Italy. His father was, his grandfather was from Italy. So he found the relatives. He took some pictures. When he got back to Idaho, this grandfather was never a very affectionate or loving grandfather. He was kind of gruff and rough. Mm-hmm. He goes to visit with his grandfather and he shows the grandfather these pictures and the grandfather just melts and he embraces Bob. And he Mm -hmm. thanks him. And this is the first time he'd ever had any affection from this grandfather and just the healing between the generations. Anyway, he never tells his family about this experience. You know, the army has said, you know, keep it quiet. And he did. So he's obviously struggling with some PTSD. Um, his, you know, he never tells his family about this. Uh, he becomes a professor at BYU, Idaho. He discovers that small town life, um, and the quiet living and good people surrounded him calmed the battles inside his head and softened the memory of the abuse and the trauma. Um, he ended up teaching political science at BYU, Idaho for 50 years. Wow. But this story is not done. Mm-hmm. It gets better. So, um, he says that one day, about 15 years after he'd been in Idaho, he received an envelope that was forwarded to him from the headquarters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Salt Lake, Utah. Inside was another envelope addressed to him, mm-hmm. no return address or name. The postage mark was from Germany. When Bob opened the letter, tears filled his eyes. It was set, it was addressed Bob Inama. I don't know if this letter will reach you, but I thought I'd write to let you know I have never forgotten you or the man you were. I have just returned from the Swiss temple with my wife and children. We are sealed together for time and all eternity. What? Adolf. No. I'm not kidding. Oh, my goodness. What year was this? It, It was 15 years after he'd returned. So it would have been... Probably like 75, 76-ish, somewhere in there. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? So finally, as he's getting towards the end of his life, Mm -hmm. he opens up to his family about these experiences. And I can't remember if it was a daughter or a granddaughter that started writing all of this down. And there is a new book Mm -hmm. that is coming out that has these experiences in this. And as I'm reading this, I mean, this is just a a Mm faith-promoting, mind-blowing story. I'm thinking to myself... Oh, somebody better buy the movie rights for this because this would make a great how have, film have for an LDS genre. Also, how have we not heard this story in conference? I know. Or have we? And I just didn't remember well, it. <laughs> like I said, I, I think I think out of respect for uh-huh. him, because he passed away on August 9th of 2021. So, so just, just recently. Barely. Um, I think probably maybe out of respect, the family kept these stories and maybe compiled it for a book, but thought we're not going to release this until after he passes away. And, uh, anyway, just, just an absolutely amazing, so many lessons to learn from this. Mm. One of the things he talks about when he talks about being positive in this really negative experience is how he really connected with Elder Worthland's talk, Mm -hmm. Come What May and Love It. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely one of my favorite talks I've ever heard in conference because I think it's just such a good 
kind of philosophy about how to live your life. Crap's going to happen. Come what may and love it. Yeah. Because it's going to happen regardless of whether or not you have a good attitude or a bad attitude. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Yes. Kind of mind blowing, huh? That's really cool. So I'm really thinking I want to get the book. Yeah. You know, I have my son, my Mm -hmm. senior in high school who loves a good war story. Oh, he would like that. He would Mm -hmm. like this. I think I'm going to get this book for him because I think he would really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Just a couple of other quick shout outs before we move on to Mormons behaving badly and our favorite things. Mm. Um, First of all, the Church News has a podcast. We've talked about this before. They released an episode earlier in August. It had Richard Turley Jr., uh, on it, who is a historian for the church, and he goes through um, vaccines and other pandemics that the church has had to deal with in the 200 and some odd years that right. the church has been around. Gives a little historical Gives perspective. Gives a little historical perspective. I listened to this podcast mm-hmm. today on my lunch hour when I went out for a walk, mm-hmm. and it was excellent. I highly recommend it. Okay. And the last thing, I, or no, second to last thing I want to give a quick shout out to you Do you remember the conference talk by Sister Craig where she talks about, I felt impressed that I need to put my phone away in when I'm standing in line and connect with people. Yes. They have made a little feel good video based on her story and I watched it and it is lovely. And I have to say, I connected with that talk too, because now a lot of times when I'm standing in line, I am very tempted to get my phone out, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't. And sometimes I just look around to see the people that are around me that I don't take in. And sometimes I have conversations with them and sometimes I don't. So, all right. And then again, hot off the press today. Oh man. Now we could have put this in Mormons behaving badly, but we have a different one. We have a quick Chad Daybell update. So I have always wondered in the whole Chad Daybell, Lori Velo thing, his kids. Yes. He's, we have been waiting and waiting for his kids to like come out of the woodwork. Exactly. He's got five kids. Uh-huh. What in the world is going through their mind? What because are they thinking? They have yeah. been radio silent. We have heard from every other shoe tail relative mm-hmm. or shirt tail relative, but we have not heard from the kids. Yes. The kids are speaking. The kids are speaking to CBS television. They are speaking to 48 hours. Notice how they did not speak to Dateline. They did not speak to Dateline (laughs) and Keith Morrison. Maybe not Dateline. Maybe not Dateline. We don't like you. (laughs) Anyway, so they did a sit-down interview, um, and this was released today that the, the, it's airing this Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Mountain Time. I think that's probably 10 o'clock on the Eastern and Pacific mm-hmm. uh, time zones. Um, the, it, I'm going to sit down and watch it because I'm endlessly fascinated with this. What's really interesting, and, and I'm hoping they ask other questions. I'm sure they will. Mm-hmm. Um, they ask, the reporter asked the kids if their father played any role in the deaths of JJ and Tylee. And they all immediately responded, no. None of the kids believe their father is capable of this. And they believe he was framed. This is fascinating to me because I think this whole time that they remained silent, I just assumed they were like in a place of hurt and oh yeah, like, well, I'm sure they were yeah. in a place of hurt. I'm sure they still but are. I just assumed they were in a place of, well, got to reevaluate that situation. Yeah. <laughs> I just assumed they were yeah. maybe distancing themselves from yeah. him. But it appears maybe not so. Yeah. I really, what I really want to know, and I'm sure they'll ask this in the interview, I want to know what their feelings are on their mom, because he's yeah. also accused of exactly. murdering their mom. I, I'm assuming based on the fact that he don't, they don't think he killed JJ and Tylee, that they probably don't think he, he killed their mother. But, but he got remarried like two weeks later. See, and that's how what can I you not have bad feelings. <laughs> That's, I, I hope the reporter asks about that. Doesn't it seem a little suspicious that, boom, two weeks later, he's marrying this other woman? I, I, you know, I don't know. And, and they could, and I, I, my heart goes out to these mm. children. It really, really does. Because they've lost their mother. And you and I have lost our mother. And we know exactly what that's like to lose a mother. And now, for all intensive purposes, they've lost their father. And I can see how 
they would kind of put a protective, so to speak, emotional shield mm-hmm. around themselves because it would be horrific to believe that my my father killed my mother yeah. and then my father had a hand in killing these two children. Again, this is all alleged. Chad's not been convicted of anything yet. I want to be very clear on that. These are just all allegations. But I can I can kind of understand emotionally where they are coming from because they they probably have to do that just yeah as a as a psychological mm-hmm. defense against the t- real trauma that they're experiencing oh, yeah. as well. Oh yeah, I'm sure they've just had reporters knocking on their doors for months. Yes, now, so exactly. So it will be interesting. You will find me on my couch at nine o'clock on Wednesday night watching Forty Eight Hours. I know. Also, I know Jeff thinks we're super obsessed with this story, and like, admittedly, yeah. We are. Hey, we haven't talked about it in a good like but eight or nine months. Also, all of the stuff just always happens to come out on our week that we podcast. Well, that's very true. <laughs> so. Actually, I don't know if it was Jeff so much that thought we're obsessed with it as it was Richie Stedman. Oh, <laughs> when they did right. their joint podcast, right. he said those twin sisters are obsessed with that Chad Daybell story. Uh, okay, we have Mormons behaving badly. Okay, which we've done on Chad Daybell many times. This week, he's been dethroned. Yes. <laughs> By somebody else who's wreaking havoc. Okay, so this um, was reported on ABC4 Utah. Okay. Um, There is a video of a man attempting to erase LGBTQ-friendly sidewalk chalk south of or close to the BYU campus or on the campus. Um, And it is drawing outrage. This video is awful. This guy, it doesn't give his name. But a video was posted. It's this guy. I watched it. It was horrible. He uses a lot of inflammatory language. Let's put it that way. Yeah. He's pouring water on some rainbow sidewalk art that somebody had done last week in support of LGBTQ friends at BYU. And uh, somebody confronts him in that process. Like, well, what are you doing? And um, he just used awful language, hate language. Horrible words that we would never repeat. Yes. And so he's now in a little bit of trouble. As Um, well he should be. (laughs) BYU has posted a statement saying we unequivocally condemn behavior and language that is disrespectful and hateful. There is no place for hateful speech or prejudice of any kind on our campus or in our community. The honor code explicitly states that each member of the BYU community has the obligation to respect others. The incident seen in a video circulation on social media is now under review. So they are reviewing this and they did say every student and individual on our campus deserves to feel belonging. Yes. So it's being reviewed. We hope, certainly hope some swift action is taken. <laughs> exactly. Because people have been suspended from school for a lot yes. less egregious I, conduct. I will say, my fresh. I knew some freshman boys that were suspended for some freshman pranking that happened while I was at BYU. I believe they were suspended for a whole year. That was just for a prank. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, there may have been... Some slight property damage, but it was not a hate crime. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a hate crime, but hate language. Yeah. And definitely no place for that at BYU. Exactly. So, and I mean, it just, I think temperatures are just boiling in Provo right now. This I is just think. more evidence of everything kind of coming to a boil. And hi. Exactly. <laughs> and this is, sorry, not to go back to Elder Holland, but one thing that I just, felt when I was reading the speech is I think we're talking about two different things here. I think some people view a rainbow flag, a rainbow chalk art, a rainbow Y as people trying to say the family proclamation can be changed. I think most people who are doing this on campus, I mean, this is just my opinion. I'm not there on campus. This is Arianne 101. This This is me. I feel that most people who are flying rainbow flags on campus, doing rainbow chalk art are not saying church change your policy. I think they're trying to say friends at BYU who are LGBTQ, we love you. We're here for you. We see you and we support you. Yeah. But I don't know. 
Clearly, this guy did not believe that's what the rainbow represented. Exactly. <laughs> so. so, all right. Should we move on to our favorite things? Yes. Do you want to start with your favorite thing? Yes. And then I will do mine. Let's do favorite things. I actually have two. One is my real favorite thing. And my second is my honorable mention favorite thing. Okay. Well, <laughs> so. I can hardly wait. Sorry. I, I just have- I couldn't resist. I couldn't choose. Okay. So my first real favorite thing is this teeny tiny little waffle maker called the Dash Waffle Maker. It makes waffles like about the size of an Eggo. Okay. It's a tiny appliance. You can plug it in and set it on your counter. I've been making eggs in it. You put a little cheese. I saw it online and ordered it, and okay. it was actually something that turned out to be awesome. <laughs> and you told me to go order one. I have one. I haven't tried it out yet, though. You put a little cheese in. You crack your egg on top of the cheese. You put a little more grated cheese on top. You close up the waffle maker. You have a beautifully cooked waffle egg in like a minute. So you have the real definition of an ego. Yes. An right. ego waffle. And you can also do like little, like my kids have been making little baby, like one batch waffles in it before school, oh, okay. which is nice. Yeah. Anyway, I'm in love with it. I've used it every day since I got it. Maybe Jeff could even put an affiliate link in the show notes. Can we do that? I have no idea. I feel like well, he's see, fancy like that. You can find him on Amazon, but they also have him at Target and Walmart. Yeah. I, because you told me and gave me, sent me the link to order it on Amazon. And I happened to be in Walmart later that day. And they have a whole selection of like cute little retro appliances Mm -hmm. in Walmart. And they had the thing in Walmart and it was, let's just say cheaper than the Amazon. Yes. By several dollars. So I was like, "Eh, well, let's, let's grab this and see how it works. That is true. Okay. And my honorable mention favorite thing this week goes to another BYU related thing, because I feel like this girl is bringing so much joy and happiness to BYU okay. right now. There is an Instagram ca- account that our sister told us about, our younger sister. How in the world she found this? I don't know. It is called um, The Bathrooms of BYU. <laughs> oh, good gravy. You've got to be kidding it's me. It's an Instagram account, and I love it so much. So I, what... I, I'm kind of at a loss for what the pictures would even be. The pictures are selfies of this sweet little gal at BYU in various bathrooms, and then she reviews them. Oh, well, that could be helpful. She scores them one out of 10. Oh, that could be really helpful. In different areas, cleanliness, like bouginess. Is it fancy? Does it have a full-length mirror? Uh, A couch if you want to take a nap. Is it easy to get to? Etc. Etc. Dang. It is so fun and hilarious. I don't know what it is about it. It just makes like it cracks me up. I'm like, okay, if well, I, I were to go follow that. if I were at BYU, I'd be obsessed with this. I'd be like, oh, well, let me just look up where's the closest bathroom and what's its rating. <laughs> Do I want to go to this bathroom or that bathroom? Which is going to be the nicer of the two? That's right. Okay. All right. Well, my favorite thing is a website that apparently has been around for a while, a website and an app. I never tried it out. It was kind of funny because I told you about it and you had, because we share a brain quite literally, you're like, oh yeah, I ordered from that this week too. We had not <laughs> talked to each other and we both independently got on this website and ordered it. So funny. It's called Sheen, S-H-E-I-N. And it is a clothing site and um, the clothing does come from China. I will. I will give you that disclaimer. And so the biggest. And so I or I've ordered several things. I looked at their return policy. Their return policy was really generous. The reviews were really good. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to order a bunch of stuff uh, to see what their quality is like, to see what their fit is like, because the fit with stuff from China can just be really, really dicey. Mm-hmm. And I noticed when I would look on the sizing guide for each garment, the sizing guides were all over the map because normally I'm kind of an 18 to 20, which puts me at about a two X. But on this side, I can order anything from a two X to a four X you know, because I'm not going mm-hmm. by the actual size. Right. I'm looking at the measurements and knowing what my measurements are to fit into that. So I got my first order. I kept about a third of the clothes that I ordered and I sent about two thirds back. Um, the stuff that I sent back was I, I guessed wrong on the size. It was generally too big. There was a couple that were too small. There was some quality in a couple that I didn't like, but the three that I kept, I kept three dresses that I would wear to work. And um, the quality was pretty amazing on it mm-hmm. for the price that I paid. And it looked cute on me. I mean, each dress that I bought was probably somewhere in the range of 
12 to $16 for a dress. So cheap. They're very inexpensive. And so Mm -hmm. then I ordered some back to school shorts for my son, got them and I liked them and ordered a couple of like winter things. So I'm kind of obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. They've got an amazing selection. I mean, you could literally spend all day on there. They have thousands Mm -hmm. of things, but you can narrow down your selection. And my returns processed within Two days of my um, mailing my returns back, I got an email that they'd received it and were crediting my account. Oh, that's very fast. So I was super impressed with their return policy because if you're going to sell- That's good to know because I have a couple things to return. I know. If you're going to sell me clothes from China, you better have a good return policy because I know your sizing is going to be all over the map. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend them um, because I just haven't been able to find anything on the stores or in Amazon or anywhere since COVID that's really been like- cute Mm -hmm. and adorable. Everything's just been picked over and it's ugly. And about twice a year, I get sick of my closet. In August, I reach the point where I'm like, I am sick of everything in my closet. I'm sick of my summer clothes. In March, I reached the point where I'm sick of my winter clothes. Mm -hmm. So before I did my sheen order, I actually, maybe after I did my sheen order, but before it came, I did the most hugest purge I think I've ever done on my closet. Ladies, (laughs) this is when you want to purge your closet when you're absolutely sick of all of your clothes because you will have no emotional attachment to anything. It can all go. It can all go. (laughs) So, and if you're getting some new stuff at, you know, 12, $13 a pop, why not? Yeah. So. That's my favorite thing. Okay, fun. All right. Well, Twim Nation, I think that about wraps it up for us. Mm -hmm. We appreciate your support. And if you feel so inclined to provide some financial support for three bucks a month, you could become a Patreon supporter and help Jeff keep the equipment running Mm -hmm. so that we can continue to provide you this podcast. As always, you can find Twim on Facebook, Instagram, the Twitter if you tweet, and you can, uh, if you want to talk to Jeff directly, you can email him at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. All right. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.